Well, today we're going to be talking a little bit about motherhood and, and one particular phrase, faithfully fighting regarding motherhood, regarding really all of our life. There's been a few famous moms throughout the years. Uh, there's been the famous Ralphie's mom in A Christmas Story. Do you remember it? You'll poke your eye out. I have to admit, kind of an annoying phrase if you ask me. Uh, there's also June Cleaver, the famous TV mom. I'm sure some of you here remember her. But moving on, there's been the faithfully fighting moms on TV. There's obviously Carol Brady, the matriarch of a blended family. How many of you remember watching her? But then there's the recent Rebecca Pearson and the very famous NBC show called This Is Us. I stopped watching it after it made me cry every single episode. But she holds together the family, right? Holds together the family even when her husband unexpectedly dies. So where would we be without faithfully fighting moms? I'll tell you this, uh, none of us would be potty trained. <laughs> Diets would be looking a little bit differently. There'd be a little more pizza, a little less green. I know that'd be the case for me. Without a mom's faithfulness and her fighting through it, I, I say this, that our, our children, our communities, our city, our state, our country, our world history would not be the same. This is the way God designed it to be for moms and motherhood. This was a part of his divine and sovereign plan. I want to give you a few reasons why God created motherhood. If you have your listening guide, you can follow along. Number one, God created motherhood for the protection of children. Here's the fact of the matter is that you were born completely helpless. Did you know that? That you, can't, you, you came out of the womb and you couldn't bathe yourself. You couldn't clothe yourself. You couldn't feed yourself. You couldn't do anything yourself. Your mom was there to faithfully guide. That we're helpless. And that's why God created motherhood. The fact remains that a child does best when there's a mom in the life the Bible tells us about one specific mom named Jochebed. She was an Israel, Israelite mom, and she was born into a time and place in, in Egypt where there was this one pharaoh who wanted to get rid of the Israel nation in his nation. And so he began to enslave all of the Israelites. And the way to get rid of them was he told all the Israel midwives, hey, I want you to go ahead and begin to kill all the newborn boys. Well, the midwives didn't listen. Jochebed, the mom of a newborn boy, hid her son because she was protecting him. She took a, a basket made out of papyrus. She pitched it with tar and she put it in the river Nile, sent a little boy down the river Nile and someone would catch it, bring it to Pharaoh's daughter and she would feel sorry for the baby. She'd name him Moses. Moses would become the savior of Israel. My point is this, that Israel and all of us today, we wouldn't be alive without a mom. God also created us, number two, he created motherhood for the perfection of our character. I love this one maybe the most. We are born completely self-centered. The world revolves around us. That's our default way of thinking. But we have to learn how to be unselfish. Proverbs 18.1 says, it's selfish and stupid to think only of yourself. Motherhood, see, is a lifelong course, my friends, of learning to think about the other person. If you're a mom, the number one way God is going to make you more like a son and less about yourself is by having children. In other words, love changes diapers, right? 
right in your listening guide there, the purpose of motherhood and following Christ is to make me holy, not happy. Certainly the case. The number third reason why God created motherhood is for the protection of society. One pastor said it this way, that motherhood is the building block of our society, of our world. Take motherhood out of the equation and our, literally our society folds. Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness lifts up a nation, but sin brings disgrace to any society. The fourth reason God created motherhood is for the reflection of the sacrifice of Christ. A great example of the sacrifice of Christ is actually Christ's own mom, Mary. She would mirror the sacrifice of Christ. There she is. She's not pregnant. She's not even married yet. An angel comes to Mary, says this in Luke chapter 1, verse 31. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And we see Mary embrace this in faith, and she would literally mirror the sacrifice of her own son as she watches him literally be beaten, uh, pierced with a crown of thorns and a spear in his side, and he, she would watch her own son, having never done anything wrong, give his life on a cross. What an incredible picture of sacrifice of Christ. Now, I would say this, that no doubt that God created motherhood. There was a mighty plan involved, but that doesn't mean that motherhood is easy. Amen, moms? That's right. See, these challenges, they come in seasons of our life. In the book of Ecclesiastes, the wisest man in the world, his name was Solomon. He would write a book. You can turn there to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, if you have a Bible, smartphone, or a tablet, and you can follow along with me or look at it on the screen. He would write about these seasons, not only in a mom's life, but in all of our lives. Whether you're young or old alike, he speaks about these seasons. He says, there is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war in a time for peace. Solomon writes this poem. He's trying to communicate the seasons of our life. And as he writes this poem, the seasons that are particularly weaving in and out, the heartache and the beauty that they bring, they're no surprise to God. God is sovereign. He's not surprised. Whoa, look at that. No, he knows what's coming up in your life because he's sovereign. He knows. But to us, the seasons, whoa. They catch us off guard, don't they? And within each season, we are challenged. So what I want to do with you over the next few minutes, I just want to go through with you a few seasons that we're all going to be a part of, whether young, old, male or female, especially for you moms here today. The first season that we're going to go through in your listening guide, I listed it, springtime. Would you say that with me? Springtime. This is when life is busy. When life is busy. 
Busyness is the, is the enemy of fighting faithfully. John Orberg, he says it this way, that we must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. We become too busy for relationships. We become too busy for fun. We become too busy for sex if we're married. We become too busy for listening. We become too busy for relationships. We become too busy to worship God in this place. One person said this way, B-U-S-Y, busy, that's the way it's spelled, could stand for being you under Satan's yoke. It's true. There's an old preacher saying, he says, if Satan can't take you down, he's going to just make you busy. That's right. So I want to give you a few suggestions. Number one, take a day off. If you can't take a day off, just find a few moments. Divert from your calendar. Divert. Make time. Number two, go on a date. Just go on a date. Have some fun. Understand that community, that fun, is a lot of times the glue that keeps us moving forward. Third suggestion is have fun with some friends. Just go have fun. If you're type A like I am, so many times it's just the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Find time to have some some friends and have fun with them. And number four, have fun with your children. Just have a good time. Laugh with them. I was reminded of this just recently. We traveled down, my family and I, to Cleveland, Tennessee to watch my sister walk across the stage, celebrate her graduation from college. We were so proud. As we're sitting there during the three-hour commencement for 15 seconds of encouragement, I sit over and look at my daughters who faithfully fought through every moment of that commencement. And I looked down at my daughter and thought, 11 years. I've got 11 years before she'll be in college and she'll be working towards this very thing. You see, don't let springtime get in the way of faithfully fighting. The second uh, season that I have for us today is summer. Summer, it's when life is easy. It's when cruise control is upon us. And I will must admit, I wish that summer would happen more often, but a lot of times it isn't. And it sometimes is very short, but if you're in the time of summer right now, that feels like life's on cruise control, I want to give you a few suggestions. Number one, don't become complacent. Know this, that the relationships, they're either growing closer together or farther apart. Relationships are dynamic. They're always moving. There's, that's why there's no such thing as balance. You're either moving towards a relationship or you're moving away from it. So in the middle of maybe a great time in your life, don't just hit the, the, the cruise control and sit back and relax. You don't know what's around the corner. Take every moment captive. The second one is use that season to invest in your relationships. Think of a bank account for a moment. You invest in a savings account or a 401k or whatever the case is, right? And what you do is you're hoping you're going to live on that interest. You're going to be able to save for that house or for whatever you're trying to do in your life or a rainy day. And you do that so you can draw it out when the hard times come in the same way. Put effort into your relationships that when the good times aren't so good. You can draw out those times. The third season is fall. Everybody say fall with me. Yeah. Fall is when life changes. Think about it with me. Fall, that it's when the, seed, the leaves are beginning to drop. Why do they drop? Well, they've turned color. Why do they turn color? It's because they've died. There's this changing that's happening 
Maybe you're in the season of when there's a new job or a new move or there's a new stage of life or a relationship has changed for the good or for the bad. And it's just maybe a little bit different or maybe it's a little bit messy. If you're going through this season, I would ask you to be fight faithfully for in that season. When presented change in your life, I would just encourage you to use the five second rule. Not the one you, lose, you learn in college or high school, okay? But just love whatever change is coming for five seconds. I love that change, even if it's for five seconds. The fourth season that we're going to look at is winter. Say that with me. Winter, that's right. And winter is when life just, it just seemingly falls apart in front of us. Some of us are in that season right now. How do we survive bankruptcy How do we survive crisis or illness or a death in the family or a major catastrophe or maybe even when things seemingly seem like they're just all scattered everywhere and life is dark and gray and snow's on the ground and you haven't seen day in seemingly years? What do you do in that season? Well, a few suggestions and encouragement to you this morning. The first one is that God will bring strength and encouragement and comfort. If you call out to God, he'll hear you. The Bible says that if you draw near to him, he draws near to you. If you're an agnostic or an atheist or you're far from God this morning, I want to encourage you that, to call out to God. Ask God to bring someone into your life that will be a, an encouragement to you in this season. See what happens. I'd love to talk to you about it. We'd love to have a cup of coffee with me or one of our staff or one of the maybe leaders of our church. We'd love to sit down with you and talk to you about that. God brings comfort and strength. The Bible says this, that he is a shepherd and he walks you beside the still waters. He restores your soul. And even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what does he say? He is with you. The second thing I'd encourage you this morning in is to laugh to keep from crying laugh to keep from crying. Find the funny things in life, the small things that you maybe have passed by before. Find those things and and focus on those things and laugh, even in the midst of when you feel like you just want to cry. I love this one. The third one is, may your winter become his work and wonderment. What I mean by that is this, that when in the middle of winter, in the middle of just heartache, May your attitude, may your reflection, may your your disciplines reflect Christ. Knowing that this season of winter, God is going to redeem in some way, and he's going to use that wound to minister in the future. God has used winter seasons in my own life to minister multiple times. And the last thing when life falls apart is, Winter doesn't last forever. There is a new season, unless you live in Antarctica. And then it's all the time, friend. It's not going to last forever. And so I want to encourage you to keep your head up, to keep moving forward. And no matter what season you navigate, friend, he is with you and he is walking beside you. You know, I've had the privilege of pastoring this church for almost three years. Next week will be our three-year anniversary at this church. And over the last three years, I've had the opportunity and privilege to walk alongside of people as they walk through each season that I just mentioned. And I've gotten to learn, I've gotten to love, I've gotten to cry with people, and I've gotten to rejoice. 
And every step of the way, there's been something for me to learn. And so this morning, what we want to do is we want to learn in each of these seasons for you and for me this morning. So I've invited a panel of moms to come on up, and they're sitting right down here. And so as they come on up, would you give them a hand? We're going to talk to them for just a, a few minutes. Well, ladies, I'm so grateful that you're here this morning. Thank you for taking a minute out of your Mother's Day to be with us. And I know that everyone here is going to be very thankful to hear what you have to share. And before you do that, would you just uh, introduce yourself real quickly and uh, tell us a little bit about more about your family? Sure. Morning. I'm Anna Barber. Um, I'm married to Nathan Barber. I have two boys. Uh, Hayden is 13 and Wyatt is 10. Good morning. I'm Mary Norris. I am married to Greg Norris. I'm a mother. I'm a mother-in-law. I am a foster mother, an adoptive mother, and a new grandmother. Colton is 22, Cody's 20, Lily is 16, Nathaniel's five, and Elizabeth is five months. Good morning, I'm Elizabeth Riley, and I'm married to Larry, the new guy on staff. I have four children, and they are 30, 28, 25, and 21. <laughs> I'll get the names later. <laughs> I'm Sarah Jo Stewart, and I'm married to Steve Stewart, and we have three boys. Bradley is 27, Colton is 22, and Adam is 15. Thank you, lady. Well, it's great to have you. And um, we're talking about faithfully fighting in all seasons of our life, but especially, you know, talking about moms today. Uh, how would you define that in your life? Okay. Well, for me, a lot of it is um, traditions that have been passed down. I've been blessed enough to have many of those um, in a good way, passed down. And then also just holding on to those biblical truths um, that will never, never go away. I mean, those biblical truths are always there. So really hold on to those. And it's also not just a day by day or time. It's a, sometimes a moment by moment thing where you really have to fight the, you know, you're fighting the fight. Yeah, yeah. For me, faithfully fighting is through prayer. Um, because I have children in so many different seasons, my older ones, tend to not listen to me as much anymore, so I get to pray over them. And um, for the little ones who still have to listen to me, uh, faithfully fighting is teaching them and teaching the Word, and then also faithfully praying for that beautiful granddaughter. Oh. Uh, to me, faithfully fighting brought up the idea of that God gave us the wonderful gift of having a new day every day to start over again, because there were so many times that I failed and stumbled and fell and made really horrible mistakes, I felt like. But... His mercies are new every morning, and so you get a second chance, a third chance, <laughs> 230. <Yeah. laughs> um, faithfully fighting for me is prayer also. Um, praying for our boys since conception, since birth, for them to know Christ, for them to have a Christian girlfriend or um, wife, and then just a faithful fight, praying for them daily. Yeah. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So we're talking about this, the four seasons and um, we're talking about springtime and that's when life's busy and it feels like, you know, it feels like probably a lot of us in this room are stuck in that season right now. I know a lot of you are probably stuck in that season as well. Um, is there, was there a time in the middle of springtime when it was just something funny happened and you just couldn't help but just laugh about it? Anybody have anything? I do. Okay. Three boys, you have to. Um, <laughs> I was cleaning in the house, and my husband was working in the garage, and the boys were playing outside. And he'd come, my husband came running in, and he said, you have to come here now. So we went outside, and on our hill 
was our three boys and a red white rider wagon. In the wagon was our nine-year-old in the front, in the back was the baby, and standing beside them was the 13-year-old. They had the baby strapped in with bungee cords, <laughs> sitting on a pillow, and being the inquisitive mother that I am, I said, what are you doing? And the Otis said, well, we're giving the baby rides down the hill. <laughs> And we've only flipped twice. <laughs> but they were okay. They're all right. They're and all we right. stopped it. And you stopped. <laughs> That's enough for you guys. That was That's enough. That's right. That's good. That's good. So in springtime, uh, because of the busyness, because of everything going on, um, uh, how, how do you prioritize? Maybe with a marriage, uh, as a mom, with your kids, maybe if you're a working mom outside of the home, all those different things wrapped up. How do you prioritize all that? Can I ask her that? Yeah. Um, for myself, I know that if I had put God first, then everything else seemed to fall in place. And one of the ways that I did that was, um, it seemed like it was a God-orchestrated thing, but somebody, people bought me those little 365-day calendars that had a verse on them or a little uh, devotional saying, and I would scatter because I got so many of them. I scattered them throughout the house. I had about three on the kitchen counters. I had one in the bathroom, one by the changing table. And so while I was cooking that macaroni and cheese again, I would <laughs> just read. Because I found that if I tried to do the quiet time that you're supposed to just spend 15, 20 minutes in the morning, right. that's when the kids would start to get up early again. <laughs> and so that never really happened. But I found that if I would take these little moments during the day when I was changing the diaper, just read that devotional thought, that type of thing. And that would help me to prioritize God first. And it seemed like everything else. My husband fell in my relationship with him fell in place. Even my attitude towards my children would then fall in place. And then my yeah. ability to say no to the many thousands of things that you get asked to do yeah. and say yes to the important things. Um, so I found that putting God first was, was what helped the most for me. That's good. Well, in, in, in springtime, again, it feels like it's a pretty busy time, right? In the middle of this season in your lives, what, what would be one thing that you did as a parent where you're like, you know what? I'm glad I did that. I know. Um, so for me, getting our kids outside was super important, and they, we still get them outside. It's harder now with technology and shutting that off and saying, okay, we're all going outside, but I, I definitely wouldn't change that. And then we're not home every night, but we still do. When, when we are at home, we try to sit down together and take a minute. It might only be five to ten minutes, but we do try to have yeah. um, dinner together as a family. That's good. That's good. Anybody else? All right. Ours would be family game night. Family game um, night. We made an exerted effort to have a family game night at least once a month with the boys, whether we play Sorry or Uno or Rummy. Um, it was competitive in our house, but it was fun, and that's something we still do when we get all the kids together. We have a game night and a good time together. It's happy memories. So springtime, summer, we're going to just bypass summer, okay? when things are on cruise control, we're going to go right to fall, all right? So when things are changing, things are kind of moving forward, um, what is one thing you th can think about when things were changing that you regret being overly concerned with? Like, man, that wasn't as big of a deal as I thought it was. Anybody have anything? I do. Um, it, when things are changing, and I remember being overly sensitive as my children grew up, and especially in the teenage years, 
um, with the older ones, and I had a very wise friend who is now my sister-in-law say to me that their sin is not my sin, because I would Mm. take, when they would make a mistake, I would absorb that, and I'd carry it with anxiety and guilt as if it were my Mm. own, and even repenting for it as if it was my own, but God is molding them and shaping them through their mistakes and through their sin, just the way he is my life. Go ahead, Anna. I could completely add to that and, and agree that we really carry the burden of our kids. And um, so for me, that's something I still even hold on to. When it's yourself, it's a, little, it's a little more calm. But when you throw your kids in there, you really hold on to what they're doing. And um, a couple years ago, it was a really clear, clear word for me. And it just said, you know, I have a purpose and a plan for your kids. You can relax. You're part of that purpose. But I have got them in my hand. So it's very reassuring. That's good. Well, you you're all are in different seasons, all of you, and you're all in different areas of your life, and you're all uniquely gifted. And the one question I want to end with today, and just have all of you touch a uh, point on it, is this, that, that in the winter season, when things seem to be falling apart, when things are hard and dark and gray, what was like that one scripture principle that just held everything together? Well, for me, I have two that I I really hold on to. One's in Philippians 4, but it says, don't worry about anything, just pray about it. And then the tail end of that says, and don't forget to thank me for the answers. And sometimes you don't see that right away, and it might be years before you see it, but I I do hold on to that, and that's a real, it helps you become very peaceful. And then the second one um, is the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God endures forever. And I just think, you know, I'm not always going to be there for my babies, and uh, the grandparents won't, but that God's word will always be there. That's good. Uh, for me, winter, much like the spring, um, we thought we were in spring and we'd have winter days pop up. <laughs> and that's kind of how life is as well. You know, we yeah. think we're in springtime and then all of a yeah. sudden we have a snowstorm or whatever it will be. And I had shared earlier that we were in the car and my boys were just fighting. And it was just, I was screamed out at this point. And I had my Bible on my lap, and I opened it up to Psalm 91 and started praying, because the Lord is our, he's mm. our shelter, he's our yes. refuge. Yep. And to be able to pray that, and the yep. calmness that came over the car was just amazing in, mm. in that day. And so when I feel like I'm on that winter day, and it's just a hard day, that's or good. life is hard, that's, yeah. I always go back to that scripture. That's good. Mine would be 1 Peter 2.9, which is my life verse anyway. Um, you are a chosen people, a royal uh, priesthood, a holy nation belonging to God um, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of his good works, uh, the one who brought you out of darkness into light, because the darkness is like the winter times. And he brought us into the light, and the light is everything that he's made us, the holiness, the chosenness, the royalness that we have in him, and we're performing just for an audience of one anyway. And so everything that we are and everything that we can be is all in Christ. And um, that would kind of hold me together. That's good. I have two. Um, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's when I encouraged our boys to hide in their heart because we can do all things through Christ because those days are going to come. Yeah. Winter's going to come. And um, just to hide that and keep that in their heart. And then Romans 8.28 is um, a verse I stand on as a mom. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord, who are called according to their purpose. Because there's some days as a mom, you don't feel like all things are going to work together for good. But they are. So hold on to that. Romans 8, 28. Hide that in your heart. Well, ladies, awesome. Thank you so much. Would you give them a hand? Thank you, ladies, so very much.